Welcome back into another episode of Peter's Proffer. In the courtroom of current events today, we are going to be talking about the R. Kelly documentary series. We're going to be talking about what it's like to represent a celebrity client, uh, dealing with clients that want to get on the news or do interviews or things publicly and how that can affect their case, and also picking a jury for a celebrity client and how that can change. So it's going to be a fun discussion today. It's going to be mostly on uh, topics of criminal defense and dealing with that type of situation. So we're going to have my dad, George Tragos, and my partner, Peter Sardis, in to talk about it today. Sorry, no cool guests. Hopefully you'll learn something. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. Uh, Leave us a uh, five-star review. Leave us a comment. Uh, Subscribe on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Uh, As always, thanks for listening in with us. Okay, so we're talking about R. Kelly, uh, another documentary, another series about a celebrity in the news for the wrong reasons, Um, and he has kind of gone in the news on his own accord for different reasons, which we'll get into, but so the R. Kelly situation, for anybody that's not familiar with it, he is notorious for um, liking and bonding with and becoming friends with and relationships with underage girls specifically. That's somebody that he is... Uh, a lot of allegations, a lot of rumors of marriages to Aaliyah when she was 15 years old, um, dating and having scandals with backup singers and wannabe singers when they're under the age of 18. Um, in 2008, he had a trial that um, it was like counts of child porn and having sex with an underage person, and he was acquitted um, in 2008, of all those charges, it actually went all the way to trial. He was touring in the middle of that case and everything going on with it. He didn't stop living the celebrity life. He just kept going and ended up beating it at trial. Um, and now, these this documentary series, Surviving R. Kelly, has come out with all these other alleged victims. And now he has 10 more counts of, I think it's like sexual battery or sexual abuse or something like that, that has come out. So what we're going to talk about today is dealing with a celebrity client like R. Kelly and we'll use a lot of specific situations in the R. Kelly situation to talk about how these kinds of cases are dealt with and we can start specifically with the R. Kelly situation. So what did you what did you find interesting about the R. Kelly situation and how it's going this second time around for him? Well, the first time around when he was acquitted, the defense was it wasn't him in the video. Correct. And the girl that was in the video refused to testify. She was 26 years old at the time, and she didn't testify. There was this big, large mole on his back in the first case. When they saw the video, they said, look, R. Kelly has this large mole. The guy guy in the video does not have the mole, so it wasn't him. So reasonable doubt, he got acquitted. Right. So now we have a second tape. My understanding is nobody's seen it. There's another tape, same girl, um, and... This is a, a lawyer, Aventi uh, Arvanati, I forget how to pronounce his name, who has that tape and has turned it over to the prosecution. So they have another tape with the same girl, allegedly. I thought there, I think there are multiple tapes this they time. Have four, they have four victims in the case. Right. Three of them are underage uh, at the time that this happened. So now we've got a situation where uh, here in Florida, we call it the Williams Rule. The, the federal rule is 404B, where if you have similar crimes... And you can show that those crime similarities establish a pattern or a method of operation. You can put in all of those crimes 
into one trial. So if they charge him with one or all four of these, they can still put in all four victims. How does that work against him? How does that work with a not guilty verdict though at trial? They can still use a not guilty verdict if it establishes the same criteria for Williams rule, which is a same pattern. The but the same... problem is if they if the jury found that it was not him in the video, how do they use that as Williams rule evidence? They cannot. They, the jury found that, but the second jury won't hear what the jury found in the first. They'll see the same evidence. The lawyers can still argue the mole if they want to. It's not double jeopardy because you're not being charged twice for the same crime because he's being charged for this next video and not the video he was acquitted but, of. But that's different than other Williams Rule evidence, isn't it? No, Williams Rule evidence, you can be acquitted and still that evidence can still come in against you in another trial if for it's a similar you, though, crime. No, but, Hold on a second. It's not the conviction or the acquittal that's coming in evidence. It's the videotape. Right. It's the piece of evidence right. that demonstrates... Here is a piece of evidence that is a videotape that shows an older guy having relations with a with an underage girl. This is we we believe to be the defendant at a different time. You can't be convicted solely on Williams rule uh, evidence for a crime you're charged with today, but they can use the Williams rule evidence to corroborate the allegations that are currently pending. Let me let me give you an example. Two robberies. Guy robs a bank, uses a black mask, a purple gun, and a green car, and he's acquitted of that robbery. Not guilty. They have a second robbery. Black mask, green car, purple gun. They can use that first robbery to show how this guy operates, even though he was acquitted of it. Right. Okay. So when when talking about the R. Kelly docuseries and comparing it to some of the other documentaries that we've talked about and some of the other ones that have been on TV... Um, what are some of your thoughts? What are some of the differences and similarities that you've seen with other either famous people or not that see themselves in this situation where they think they're wrongfully accused and continuously fighting for, for something like this? You know, what's can I kind of jump in on this, George. Yeah. You know, what's nuts about this, these kind of stuff. You watch the documentaries, you watch the, the videos, um, of the interviews. And I think anybody can, that actually watches this recognizes that everybody involved in the, in this set of facts is nuts. Everybody. And I'm, See, I don't think that normally. I disagree normally. This R. Kelly docuseries was very different in no, my eyes. And let me let me tell you what I mean. Let's use Michael Jackson for an example. Do you sure. remember the allegations where the little boys were living in his at, at Neverland? Yes. And he, yes. Uh, first of all, isn't this nuts? You as a parent, would you I ever am. leave your child? So the point, I guess what I'm getting is, it sounds nuts because it is. Everybody, in my opinion, is taking advantage of... Of the circumstance they find themselves in. Oh gosh, I'm going to have the audience of R. Kelly. I'm willing to let my kids stay the night at Neverland. Yeah. Things you would normally not do if these people were not superstars. Yeah, and with the R. Kelly thing, most of the people in the in the docuseries were either super fans of R. Kelly, backup singers, wannabe singers, wannabe models, wannabe actresses, and one of the girls was like, we were 14 years old. It was miserable. We were just trying to make it. We were just trying to survive. And in my head, I'm thinking, I knew some 14-year-old girls that when I was in high school knew celebrities or NFL players, or NBA players, and they were bragging about hanging out with them, not saying, oh, I'm just making it by when you know some of them were talking about being on the tour bus with him, touring the nation, well, touring the world. There's, there's a difference. R. R. Kelly was the adult. 
he has the responsibility of not having sex with a 14-year-old No, girl, no, no. This girl, even though she wants This to. girl did not say she was having sex with him. In well, the docuseries, this well, girl was saying, I was not having sex with him. He was having sex with other people, but I was just, you know, barely making it, and they didn't care about me, and I was just, you know, trying to make it through the day. That's my point. I'm not saying, listen, R. Kelly, there's so much smoke that there's almost no way that there's fire to these stories. That's not my point. Almost no way there's not fire. Right. So, so what I'm saying with the, with his documentary, it just seemed a lot less credible. It seemed like everybody wanted to have hindsight now, 10, 20, 30 years later, his assistant or his manager or his security guy who was like, he told me he wasn't messing around with them. So I believed him. Yeah. I forged this document for him, but I believed him that they weren't messing around. Sounds like they're all trying to cover their own tracks and cover their own tails and make themselves look good at the end of the day. I think the R. Kelly documentary was different. It had some unique features to it. Uh, one is, of course, R. Kelly has been interviewed. That's a pretty unique feature. Not before, though. Not, no, no, no. Right. But I mean, since. Secondly, you have all these victims. He's still alive. That's yes. different, frankly, and, and than some got, of the other ones. And you've got all these victims that are actually willing to go on TV and talk about but that's and we're, we're going to get to that later that has to do with the culture i mean it's such a gang mentality culture now that one person comes out and then you know it's kind of like and this is morbid i don't, probably shouldn't get into this but it's like if somebody passed away when i was in high school everybody all of a sudden was their best friend everybody had stories about them that nobody else knew and they wanted to get part of the limelight and they wanted to get part of the attention they want to be part of the mob exactly and that yeah mob mentality that's what it is so that's kind of what this felt like to me in the documentary. I'm not saying he doesn't have thousands of girls that he abused. I'm not saying that the girls in the documentary weren't abused. I'm just saying the way that it was put on to me felt like they were trying to get fame. They were trying to get attention. There's probably a monetary aspect to this. That's just what the documentary felt like to me. I'm not saying that it is. I'm not saying that they're lying. But that's what it felt like to me. And it reminded me of those times where people are trying to just catch on to the fame and be a part of this big wave that's coming through and be part of the wave that takes down R. Kelly. Yeah, let's it's not, not the best guy to be fighting for. Let's, I mean, Well, let's not ignore the fact that, again, if these were underage girls and he was an adult, I don't care what the situation is. I don't care if they were fans. I don't care if they were backup singers. I don't care if they were wannabe models. It was his responsibility not to abuse these children. Of course. Listen, I'm not saying that. I, of course, it's his responsibility not to abuse these children. I think that goes without saying. What I'm saying is, and we can kind of take this to the next step. So dealing when you when you have a celebrity client, especially in a criminal case or if they're getting sued in a civil case. So a celebrity client on the defense. When you're dealing with that in today's day and age where you have the Me Too movement and you have you know everybody being extra sensitive to this type of stuff, but it also being so easy to leave a review on Google or Yelp to put your story on YouTube in a video, to blast a story on Facebook Live and try to get you know TMZ or somebody to pick it up to where you can really destroy this person's character or pile on to one story that may be true. You know, maybe he was, and, and this is sounding bad, maybe he was abusive with one of his girlfriends that was overage and she comes out. So then all these people follow and they get him back hooked into the underage thing because of the thing that happened in 2008. The... the ease in which you can attack somebody today and send it out to the masses is something that's different than even a few years ago. So how do you deal with that type of stuff when you have a celebrity client 
And how do you deal with client control with a celebrity client when they want to do interviews on, you know, CNN or whatever? You know, client control is something that most of these celebrities, I'm sorry, control is something that they lack. So the reality is, if there's not a lawyer that actually knows they're doing involved, you make bad decisions. And what bad decisions you make? I can talk my way out of whatever bad situation uh, I find myself. Yeah, but that doesn't matter how good the lawyer is. Oh, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when you have a good lawyer, you sit that client down and say, you are not going on national television. I'm going to go on national television and say, he's in the middle of an investigation. He can't speak. So you think good lawyers don't have clients that still go on national television (laughs) to give interviews? No, I think good lawyers who have clients that they can't control withdraw from the case. Oh, that's fine. it happens all the time. I, I agree with that. But I'm just saying... A good lawyer sometimes still has a client that goes on TV and does something that they don't want them to do. I mean, that still Absolutely. happens. I'm not saying Without you don't withdraw the case or tell them, you know, next time it's over or whatever, See, or give them a last straw. But I straw. don't think that there's lawyers involved in this mess. Oh, Believe yeah, there it or not, I honestly believe when when R. Kelly got it, went up on stage, nobody had any clue. He decided he was going to go do an interview no. that, that afternoon. No, no, no. Wrong. It's in fact they even interviewed. Yeah, I saw the interview of his publicist. Yeah, uh, his pub. He's got a publicist. He's got a lawyer. He's got a uh, yeah. a a quality control coach or something or yeah. a stress control coach his, his or something. Like that. Well, that guy sucks for at his job. Well, he obviously. was in the interview, like holding him down, putting yeah. him back in his seat, fixing his jacket. And, uh, and the unusual thing too is the publicist. He was interviewed <laughs> in an interview. Which a publicist is supposed to be in the background. He's not supposed to be up front. This guy was up front. That's exactly my point with all this, though. Yeah. Everybody's trying to grab a piece of the fame. Oh, yes. Everybody's trying to get paid off of it. That's the that's the unfortunate thing is I wish society didn't glamorize this so much and turn it into a a field or an opportunity for people to make money. Well, and and that's a lot of it's social media. Exactly. A lot, you know, the the, the press wants to sensationalize it. But I think if you really, again, getting serious, you do not want your client to go on national television and be interviewed about a pending uh, case that you have of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. Okay, so let's talk about that. So why not? Why don't you want your client, if he's innocent, going on TV and explaining himself? Because he can say something that can be proved inconsistent. He can say something that would embarrass him. There can be public opinion out there that if he does a terrible... Like, his publicist thought he did a great job. I don't think he did a great job. I think he sounded crazy. Listen, anything Uh, you say... Unless you have an insanity defense. Well, and here's the point right (laughs) here. Anything you say, canon will be used against you in a court of law. And that is absolutely applicable to an interview on any news station. I mean, all that can be used against you. That video can easily be played in front of a jury in his criminal trial. Some people don't realize that. They can cue that video up and play it. It's not hearsay. It is his voice speaking and answering questions. 99 times out of 100, you do not want your client to make a statement. Now, I've got to say there are exceptions. Sometimes, and and this is unethical for lawyers to use the press to do this, but sometimes you have a client that's so sympathetic that you want people to see him and you want the country to feel sorry for him before he takes the witness stand. And you're talking about a, a defense case. I mean, lots of times right. plaintiffs get interviewed by uh, news stations that pick up their case and want to hear more about their case. And right. you want to raise awareness for whatever's going on, which is exactly what these victims are doing. So, some, I mean, sometimes it's in different situations. But mm. one of the other horrible things is you never know what's going to come out of your client's mouth. So prepping for depositions is hard enough. And nobody's even listening during that. So I can't imagine 
what his lawyer is thinking when he says stuff like, and I know Pete's going to like this because we've had something similar in another case, where he was asked the question, are you attracted to teenage girls? And he asked the, the, the interviewer to define teenage girls. The answer right. to that should just be no. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, a normal person would just say, no, I'm not attracted to teenage girls and just blanket it like that and just, you know, yes, we get it, R. Kelly. There are some teenage girls that are legal to have sex with, but you could just answer no to that question and it would be a little bit safer. Especially when you're over 30. He's 53. He's 53 now? He's 53 years old and he Gosh. can't answer no to I'm not attracted to teenage girls. No. One of his live-in girlfriends, and yes, one of them because he has two, is like 23 years old. Her dad's 45. Well, and you know, if you listen to an interview too, he's not the smoothest guy in an interview. That See, yeah. they say he is. Everybody that I've heard says he's a great interview, he's a great actor, and he does exactly what he wants to do. So his craziness right. and crying and whatever was planned according to, you know, the conspiracy and, and according to some of the girlfriends that he cries at the drop of a hat, that he can do that kind of acting. Right. So that wasn't a really smooth running, running, you know, running interview. And then he does things like looks directly into the camera. I noticed yeah. this. Is this camera still on? It's like, yeah. well, yeah. So he's deliberately playing to the camera. And you can see that in the interview. And then, okay, here's another reason why you don't want your celebrity client to get interviewed on TV. Because of that interview, they then interviewed his two live-in girlfriends, who, again, he's 53. They are 21 and 23. They both live with him. They're both in love with him. They both have relationships with him. They have relationships with each other. And they inter- I don't mean like a sexual relationship with each other. I mean, like, they are obviously very that. close. No, they're obviously very close, too. They're, they're sitting in the same interview together, side by side hugging each other, consoling each other, okay? Then they interview those girlfriends' parents who t- who say in the interview that R. Kelly won't let their daughter speak to them. They haven't seen their daughters in two years. They're afraid for their well-being. All because R. Kelly does this interview, it just leads to another interview and another interview and another interview and another interview trashing him. You know, that's one of the things about media. You've got to be very cautious because the media is fickle. And they're fickle because their viewers are fickle. And we forget about things pretty quickly in this country. Um, we are definitely products of whatever's going on this very moment. And if you don't do that interview, all right, you've had bad allegations against you. You don't say anything. There are no interviews. They're going to go on to a different story. But when you start opening your, your yap and you make this juicy, the, the press is going to come out of all the woodwork and find something to keep the story going because it's making them money. If you just think of this day and age with this, we'll call them celebrities. Everybody's a different kind of celebrity. But the piling on, whether it's right or wrong, how misguided and misinformed the media and the people commenting can be when you look at Kavanaugh, when you th- look at Jesse, Jesse Smollett, when you look at Trump, when you look at all of the stuff that just can... When you look at the... Uh, the, the Catholic high school kids and the Native Americans. I mean, all of these things that happen in the media have these twists and turns that can just be so wrong when they first come out or first reported and the mob mentality still jumps on it. It's just, it's scary when you, th- and I get it. R. Kelly's not the, the best uh, person to put at the front of this, but I do think it's happening to him too. No matter how bad of a guy he is, I do think people are piling on and the mob mentality is coming after him. And it's crazy because when they played the documentaries and they play all of his songs, I don't even realize how how many different years his song was like my favorite song of that year, which is just crazy to listen to. And you're like, man, this is wild. After the interview, his sales, online sales went up 16%. And, and that's a part of it too. During, during that interview, one of the things that jurors would never hear 
but now everybody knows he was $161,000 behind in his child support. Exactly, yeah. So things come out in the press that a jury would never hear. And you talk about the, the mob mentality and piling on, right? Look at, and, and I, you know, I hate to raise it, but I think we're generally talking about celebrities here. Yeah. Manafort. He pleads guilty to two different federal crimes in two different federal just districts, gets seven and a half years in prison. As soon as he is sentenced on the second one, the state of New York indicts him for 16 counts of fraud. Now, if he wasn't a celebrity, if we never heard of Manafort, there is actually a policy in the Department of Justice that you don't charge a state and a federal crime, even though you can. But are they not piling on Manafort because he's a celebrity? If no one had ever heard of him, if he'd never associated with Trump, he'd never be indicted on 16 counts well, of state. Well, it's just like our update on Robert Kraft, which we did a podcast on that a few weeks ago. He has been offered what's called PTI, which is a program you enter, you do some classes, you pay a fine, and you get the charges dropped at the end. But all the articles talking about it are saying, if he enters this, he has to admit that he did all these crimes, and he has to admit that he is guilty before he can get into these programs. That's literally how it is for everybody, that nobody realizes it because all the crimes are dropped from their record, so it's as if they didn't commit them, but they have to sign a piece of paper that says, yes, I'm taking responsibility for my actions. So that happens to everybody, but they're blowing it out of proportion because he's a celebrity. And the paper is saying, and the question the paper asks is, if he, if they had a good case, why would they offer him this, huh? So they must have a bad case. Well, they offer it to everybody who's charged with a misdemeanor like that. That doesn't have priors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, he's not being treated. Any, people would be upset if he was being treated differently than everybody else. But he's not. And that just adds on another thing to dealing with a celebrity as a client, especially in criminal cases. There are so many different factors. I and mean, so many different factors that you have to deal with that are not normal to other cases. Either they're treated differently in a good way or they're treated differently in a bad way. And that's something you have to figure out how it's going to go. And you have to figure out how a jury yeah. pool would react to them. See, and I think that's the problem. What you're focusing on is absolutely right. Normally in everywhere but crim the criminal defense world, any press is good press. Like George, the, apparently R. Kelly's sales are up 16% after he did an interview and lost his marbles on national television. Why? Good press. Any press is good press. Except for you're going to be prosecuted and potentially go to prison, then all press is going to be used against you. It will become bad press. It is, it is not a good idea to make your client a high-profile client where the microscope is on them all the time. You're not going to get any benefits out of that. And this doesn't happen a lot where a documentary like this, an interview like this, all this stuff happens with active criminal charges pending or starts the wave for active criminal charges. But... When it does, it really shows you how the media is getting more and more control over society today. Like, think about how the jury pool is being poisoned. I mean, so much worse than his last one in 2008 because the media wasn't as, as strong. It wasn't as big. It wasn't as in your face. And, and he's still R. Kelly. So that makes finding an impartial jury hard. But now that this national and, and worldwide docuseries has gone out on Lifetime... It's going to be even harder to find people that don't know anything about this case because the purpose of finding an impartial juror is somebody that doesn't already know and have a predetermination about the facts of a case. Do you see the, uh, we have a case here locally where an individual threw a five-year-old child off the, uh, yeah, off the bridge, bridge and killed the child, and that's going to trial right now, and they're picking a jury. 25% of the jury pool already has been disqualified because they know about the well, case. And that, and that person's name is not R. Kelly. You didn't right. grow up listening to their music, and they didn't have a 
how, I don't know how many episode docuseries on Lifetime. Well, I, well, do you remember the... Well, you were young still when uh, the trial, the O.J. Simpson trial started. Yeah. Do you know how long it took him just to find a jury that could sit? And then, after like how long That's was the it? most similar case, right? Except that happened when there was no Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all the stuff that we have now. I mean, imagine now what we'd have if... It's if even OJ harder. Si- yeah, it's even worse. And the, the pools are even more poison yeah, basically here, let me taint that jury pool and yeah. just so you know they sequestered oj simpson's jury panel meaning sequester? they didn't they actually took custody for lack of a better word of the jury pool and would not let them go home they actually controlled which, their movements right which if you watch the the uh, reenactment um show of that was like they were in the crazy house i mean away from all civilization basically for the duration of the trial right think about that from away from your families crazy. away from newspapers tvs What's going to happen now? So whoever gets picked for the uh, R. Kelly, just be prepared to be stuck in a room with 12 or however well, many jurors. they're not going to listen to this because they'd already be impartial from listening to this. I mean, seriously, yeah. it's it's crazy picking yeah. a juror. And, Dad, you've had cases where you've had to go one by one I've had jurors. cases where we had to actually leave town. And that's well, then because in, local. But I don't know any place you can go where R. Kelly isn't exactly. going to be well known. But I have tried cases out of Clearwater because we couldn't get a fair jury in Clearwater and we had to go somewhere else where maybe they didn't have as much press about the crime. Yeah, and it's crazy. So, I mean, when you're dealing with these celebrity clients and you're dealing with these docuseries, now a lot of them are happening after the people's dead or after the after the case is already settled or the, you know, the person's convicted and they go into how it might be a wrongful conviction. This is a very strange one that's happening while everything's active. So, We'll keep track. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll do an update podcast in the future when we see what what happens with the demise of R. Kelly. But as always, thanks for listening in with us. Hope you guys liked it. And uh, you can hit us up on all social media at Tragos Law or send me an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com if you have any topics you want us to hit on.